Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, where we just found another book for the bigots to burn. I meant to say ban. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it in. Yeah, we're leaving it. Hope you're not listening, bigots. (laughs) Book 75, Amy's True Love. Amy Sutton, in love at last. Oh my gosh, is Amy in love at last? That will be the question that we answer here today. Hi everybody, it is me, your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and I'm joined today for a very special capital V, capital S episode, book of Sweet Valley High, Sweet Valley Diaries. Brian Duss, hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, what a thrill to have you. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to also be doing it in this fancy studio. Yeah, we are recording in a fancy recording booth for probably the only time that will ever happen. And it's pretty cool. And we can hear each other in the monitors. And Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Really nice. I do have – there are other recording studios that this podcast sometimes gets recorded in. But this particular one, I think this will probably be the one. Love it. Um, so we're talking about Amy's True Love. Now, i got to tell you, Brian, last week, the last book was a real uh, – real nightmare. <laughs> it was it was um twists not, and turns. It was just unpleasant. It was an unpleasant mm. read. The listeners will know by now what happened in that episode, what happened in that book. So, I sat down to read book 75, Amy's True Love, and I knew only one thing about this book. Mm. I knew that this was maybe the book where maybe there was a gay character. Real quick, what made you think there was a gay character? I had heard tell of it on mm. the on the internet, like uh, the channels, the waves that had gotten to me. The Sweet Valley High Reddit? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't even exactly know. It was just like it came to me in brain waves, mm-hmm. like on, through the, the channels of the world, that information somehow appeared in my mind. But because of that vagueness, and it's a vague answer, it was a vague concept in my mind. I didn't know how literal it was going to be. But I knew we were in for something interesting in this book, and I wasn't sure because in some ways the last book also handled was like a very special book about big issues. Wasn't totally sure how this was going to go. So I'm excited to talk through it with you. It's sort of like it reminds me very 80s of like, you know, this week on a very special Sweet Valley Diaries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot. Um, before we jo- dive in, let's set the stage. Please. We need to talk about the cover of the book. Um, let's tell the listeners just what it looks like. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful pink, classic airbrush. This is like nowadays this would be AI created. A gorgeous couple, blonde hair, blue eyes. No, actually it's gray. I think she has gray eyes. She has gray eyes. Gray eyes. Gray eyes. Tom, I, I mean, we have to assume this must be Amy and Tom on the cover of this is book. Is it Tom, though? But, oh. I thought about that halfway through the book, and I was like... Maybe it's not. I feel like it only makes sense to put Amy and Tom on the cover. Because I was going to say it must be Tom because of his tennis racket. Mm. But also he has brown hair. And Tom, we hear throughout this book, Tom has blonde hair. So maybe it's not Tom. Ooh. I mean, it's it's sort of like a little bit of foreshadowing. Maybe so. The other thing, so I brought a prop. Amy, I've seen this cover a lot of times. But I finally just realized this morning... Amy's face is so weird on this cover, based on the only other pictures we've seen of Amy. I'm going to show you. Please. 
So I have here a copy of Bitter Rivals, book number 29. This is the book where Amy shows up in town. Mm. And uh, that's Amy there on the right. Just uh, compare those two images. and uh, Wait, on the far right? Nope, on the left, I meant to say. I have a problem with right and left sometimes. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe it was like she got recast, I like I she, Dream yeah. of Jeannie. Yeah. But just different faces. They're both blondes. But... <laughs> well, they, all, they all look alike to you. Right. <laughs> that would be uh, antithetical to this book's message. But I would say, argue with me if you will, but I and don't I think will. you will. Mm-hmm. There are there are essentially two stories we're dealing with here in Amy's True Love. We've got Amy's story and we've got Tom McKay's story. And they do intersect, but they've both got these things that the book is grappling yes. with. Yeah, I mean, I was concerned about Amy's parents' marriage until near the end of the book. Yeah, we found out fairly recently that Amy's dad is a photographer, Mm -hmm. and he has his own studio, and in this book, he's got his own book that's coming out. Just like, wow. I mean, he's spending a lot of time on his photography book that he said he's probably not going to make any money on. His wife is the breadwinner. Yeah. She is a sports anchor mm-hmm. at a local station. Which we did know, Diane Sutton. She's definitely doing well because she makes a point to talk about how she should kick some work to her assistants and not work so much. I wonder if she is feeling a little resentful that she's paying all the bills while her husband gets to like photograph models and like traipse around the world. I think that is one theory. There's also, I think, a possibility that she loves being the breadwinner because mm. the only lines of dialogue we get from Diane Sutton in this book yeah. are very like 1990, 1991 feminism. Like, yeah. Women can do anything a man can do and they she, should get paid she the has same. So many blazers with shoulder pads. Yeah. yeah. And uh, certainly, I mean, this will. I don't mean to mock that perspective. It's just that stating it as a, like, this is a thing I believe in, meh, is, is like, well, I don't know, at this point I feel kind of like, well, yeah. It seems like someone <laughs> gave her, like, she's reading it off of a cue card, yeah. like, under duress. I actually I do. Support, I support all the feminist themes in this book. I'm just saying. <laughs> Some of it seemed a little forced. There's, um, uh, this is late in the book, but it doesn't really matter too much plot-wise. Um, she says, oh, I have so many highlights. Oh, my gosh. She says, I can't stand it when people put each other down that way, especially after women have worked so hard to have the same legal rights that men have enjoyed for years. I was like, it's 1991. Like, women have owned bank accounts for, like, I thought this was like, for a second, I thought this was like way earlier. Yeah. I was like, okay. So we've got the Sutton parents. Mm-hmm. And this is the first book, I think this is actually the first book that we've really gotten to spend with Amy, even though she's been a major character of these books for a while now, since book 29, we're on 75. Yeah. She's one of Jessica's lackeys, kind of. Much like when uh, the listeners, the gladiators will remember, when we read Lila's story and finally got a peek into Lila's actual like human perspective on things. Um Amy, when you actually look closely at her inner life, it's still kind of sad. It is. And par- the parents are part of that, right? Yeah, but she had, like, a better journey then in this book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, this book would have been very shallow if it hadn't been that Amy, turns out, is actually not that shallow. She is performing shallowness. Doesn't yeah. that seem? Yeah. Gladiators, can you believe it? I'm looking at the microphone. There's the <laughs> They can't. They can't. <laughs> you believe it? Amy has been performing shallowness. I mean, she, she needs to do some self-examination. I but... wonder how many fans wrote in and they're like, listen, we need more of Amy's backstory. Yeah. Or like, 
Amy is adding nothing to this series. Can you delete Amy from the books? Amy, One of those two things. Amy needs a better agent. Yeah. Well, and she's, I mean, so much so, actually, that at the outset of this book, what's happening with her is she's behaving so, like, she's being such a bitch, frankly, that Lila and mm. Jessica, Lila Fowler and Jessica Wakefield do not want to hang out with her for a little while. They they are, they are. Like, or give her the cold shoulder to teach her a lesson. These two girls. Now, and they, they end up they end up looking really, really cold and bad for it. But in their minds, they're, like, trying to correct her behavior through um, the silent treatment. I would say I am firmly Team Amy. And yeah. I think that she was done dirty. I'm shocked to say it, but I feel the same way, you know, coming through this book. But They gave her, they said, a whole week. They gave yeah. her the cold shoulder. Yeah. Also, a lot can happen in a week yeah. in uh, Sweet Valley High. So initially, like at the beginning of this cold shoulder thing, let's talk about the thing that Amy does that creates the need in their minds to create a correction yes. of her behavior. Girl code was not observed. Right. So we've got Jean West and Tom McKay. They got together a number of books ago. Did you pick up on this, like... The book was trying to like slide in the backstory of how Jean and Tom got together. No, I didn't hear that, but I definitely picked up on the fadeaway. <laughs> well, it was um, it was like a sorority prank gone wrong, oh, gone that's right, right, gone really right. Yeah, it was know? definitely like a '90s movie. Yeah, and then like you know, it was a joke, and then she kind of you know, Tom kind of you know. She got into it. Yeah. And then they dated for real, for real. For real, for real. And they got along so well and they really liked each other, but just something wasn't quite right. Mm. And so Jean at the beginning of this book is just crying in the cafeteria. And that's my favorite place to cry. <laughs> the high school cafeteria. Second favorite place is actually the shower. Okay. Because no, one, no one right. can see. You know what I mean? The tears, they just wash away. Well, then what makes the cafeteria number one? Well, one, the echo. <laughs> like, when I cry, I like to really wail. Well, she also has the uh, human echo chamber of the girls around her telling her, you know. True. Uh, all the same thing, which is just like, oh, Jane, you know, oh, I can't believe I feel so bad for you. Except for Amy, who's like, well, first of all, she's late to the conversation. So she hasn't heard Jane's heartfelt, mm -mm. like, um, sorrow over the reason she like felt she had to break up with Tom because it was just like something wasn't there in the relationship and Amy just comes in like well she was late she was she supposed was to meet somebody she was supposed to meet Jessica for and lunch and if she yeah. would have met Jessica Jessica would have found a table earlier right and Amy would have heard the beginning of the yeah. story so we've got Amy being flaky mm. and we've got Amy um basically coming right in and being like oh well now she flat out says to Jean well since you dumped Tom you probably don't mind if I go after Tom. I think he's really cute. And everybody is just like, Amy. But also, didn't didn't Elizabeth say, like, that's how y'all roll? Like, y'all yes, do this all the time. She did say that. A lot of scheming. But for some reason this time around, I mean, you can understand why Amy would have thought that this was okay behavior. I mean, yeah, but... a lot of trifling. A lot yes. of trifling in this book. There certainly is. Here's what Jean says, actually. I'll read to you what... Jean says, and oh, by the way, Gladiators, kind of this whole episode is going to be the part of the book where we talk yeah, about boys. Her friends call her Jean, for sure. Jean, Jeannie, Jean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think her friends call her Jeannie. I thought they called, like, okay, you got me on <laughs> that one. You with me? I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Jean, a.k.a. Jeannie, Jean Jeannie. Yeah. She says, 
I don't know what happened. We used to spend all our free time together, but then Tom started spending more time playing tennis. This is maybe a code word I'm thinking mm. <laughs> in this book. Not in the series at large, but in this book, tennis. Yeah, you grew code. more suspicious with every line. Yeah. Jean was almost oblivious to her friends who were hanging on her every word. It's not that I was jealous of the time he spent practicing, she continued. It was just that even when we were together, it was as if we were buddies, not boyfriend and girlfriend. Lila shook her head. As the only daughter of one of the wealthiest men in the entire state, Lila often presumed she knew the best way to do everything. Sounds like the romance fizzled, Jean. Maybe you two just need, you know, a little more quality time. She looked at Jean knowingly. A little more time at Miller's Point, for instance. Hmm. And and Jean goes on to be like, I don't think all the time in the world at Miller's Point is going to solve this problem. She doesn't explain what she means. but It's much funnier rereading it mm-hmm. once you know what happens. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the thing. Now we have Lila and Jessica being like they're not giving Amy the time of day, essentially. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Yeah. The the rich girl says you just need to make out more and that'll solve your problems. <laughs> right. Well, that's to, to Jean. Always but, works. Um, yes. So Amy misses all that from Jean. She misses that story. Yes. So that's part of why she doesn't realize how badly she's sticking her foot in her mouth. But yeah. it's still it's 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 trashy. Um <laughs> I think Amy actually leaves the cafeteria and like sees Tom in the library and she's immediately starts her like full court press of Tom McKay because she's decided that she wants to have a serious boyfriend. And that's partly fueled actually by her going home and talking to her parents and just feeling like they think she's too flighty. She's never had a serious relationship. Like, I don't know. She has this whole thing conflated in her mind. Well, she feels like having a serious boyfriend will solve all of her problems. She definitely feels like that. But I do have, can I bring up one point? Of course. That looking back on it, okay, she talks about, okay, no more flirting and chasing and pursuing and getting herself in weird situations. All right, weird Weird situations. situations. Like, I feel like we need to circle back at that at some point and explain what happened. I feel like there's a, there's a, a dark side. Yeah, and the book doesn't explain it at all. And I definitely, it stood out to me too, weird situations, like weird Situations mm. with boys or what? Yeah. I mean, it's, she gets herself into weird situations in this book with boys, but not in a sexy way. I also, like, the whole time I'm, I am, I'm reading this, I'm thinking, like, you know, they didn't talk a lot about attention deficit disorder in the late 80s, early 90s. Not mm. much was known about autism. All those sort of things were, like, the whole time I'm, like, diagnosing different people. Oh, yeah? And I'm like, oh, no, she's just ADHD. Or, like, no, so-and-so's on the spectrum. Like, don't get mad at them. Or, like, so-and-so, you know, obviously the sugar. Or, like, some of the – like, they just casually dropped in something about having someone having um, anorexia. Oh, that was the last book. That was the thing that happened in the last book, was I that mean, someone... Very casually just dropped yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And these books, they talk so much about how hot everybody is. They also eat so much junk food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know they're teenagers, but, like, this book describes Amy, like, during that scene where she's being kind of rude to Jean about Tom, it describes her just, like, stuffing her face with French fries. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Like, she's allowed to do that because she's skinny. Look, when you're, like, when you're like, 16, thin. I mean, if I could go back, I would eat all of French fries. <laughs> okay. Well, also, she th- can eat whatever... What, yeah, she can absolutely eat whatever she wants, but it is, it's just funny that it's, like... As long as, I mean, we don't need to re 
litigate this, but it's like as long as the character is beautiful, the book doesn't give have any concerns at all about think, what food they're eating. I think these books spend a lot of time talking about how hot 15 and 16 year olds are. <laughs> well, if we get to start thinking too closely about that, the whole thing just unravels mm, <laughs> really quickly. Yeah. Um, Amy has another problem, right? Which is that so Mrs. Jacoby, mm-hmm. her like social sciences teacher, mm-hmm. Married to Jacoby of Jacoby and Myers, obviously. <laughs> yes, uh, Los Angeles celebrity it's lawyer. It's implied. Uh, Jacoby and Myers, uh, lawyers. Um, yeah, probably actually. Mm-hmm. That's probably there. There maybe maybe it's assumed the lawyer. I don't know how the time works out, but the lawyer could be like a son or like a brother. She's related to the family for sure. Yeah. Um, she's given Amy a bad grade on a paper, but told her that she can bring up her grade by going to volunteer at Project Youth. Mm. Um, Amy's written the paper about social work, but doesn't seem to know anything about social work. Not at all. Not yet. Not yet. So tell tell us about Project Youth. What, what do you think about that place? Project Youth seems to be helping people with um, a variety of issues in the town, but from everything I know about the town, there are not that many issues. <laughs> I mean, it's like when they come, they come really big. Yeah. (laughs) They're complicated. So it seems ill-advised to have 15-year-olds take phone calls from troubled teens who might be dealing with abuse, alcoholism, any number of issues. It seems irresponsible. At least someone is listening in on the calls. Mm -hmm. But it's like there are two teenage volunteers and one adult listening in on them. And one of them, Amy, shows up as a punishment. (laughs) She's volunteering as a punishment. She has an hour of training before she's on the phone with this young man named Barry Rourke. Now, at this point, Amy has already decided she's going to make Tom McKay her new number one boyfriend like serious boyfriend serious to solve all of her boyfriend. problems yeah and so barry is you know from the very beginning he's funny yeah he's funny amy has this idea that he's kind of weird she does say he's a little weird yeah. he's not as good of a tennis player as tom mckay <laughs> no, no. But Amy is like, oh, Barry's friends with Tom. This is going to be my in with Tom. Yeah. And so. Devious. She's like, she could be, I guess she could be worse. Like something cool about Barry. I thought this was so cool was that he says to her really early on, I'm a very direct person. Like I, I don't, you know, like to beat around the bush essentially. But Barry's a, a liar and doesn't tell her <laughs> okay. how he feels until way late in the book. Fair enough. But he, I think he plays it. I mean, if we're comparing how Barry handles things with how Amy handles things in terms of pursuing a person they have a crush on, like at least, I mean, he probably should not have agreed to help Amy get to Tom if he really has such strong feelings Mm. for her. Well, what I remember when I was a 16-year-old boy, I was able to handle these complicated situations (laughs) with a plum. Really well, yeah. Oh, really well. well. Maybe we could talk about that more a little bit later. But um, What's he supposed to say? He's like, yeah, yeah no, I sure. Think, I think he hand, I think he handles it fine, and he's, you know, he's playing the long game. I mean, it, you know, I feel like he's he stays shy of it being, um, that like creepy like pursue like Amy's the one that's doing the serious like I'm not I'm gonna pursue you no matter what I'm Borderline not gonna take no stalker. as an answer. Yeah, yeah. At every turn, Amy is 
following Tom around and trying to dance with him at a party. She's trying to flirt with him. And it's not working, which she's not used to. Mm. And it's sort of chalking it up to, well, Tom, maybe he's just still bent out of shape about Gene. It's been a day. Yeah, since yeah, the breakup. Really. Like, uh, maybe not even when it first well, starts. It's interesting. Amy seems to go back and forth between being maniacal and oblivious. So yeah. there are times where she is so focused and she's like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And sometimes she's just like, I don't think she's careless with Barry's feelings. I think that she is oblivious. I think so too. I mean, she, there is a point where she's like, she has some thought like, oh, too bad I like. I don't like this guy, but I don't. I don't know. But she's no. not really interrogating it, you know? That comes up I, later. I'm going to have to say I'm a little uncomfortable with the workplace environment at this volunteer opportunity. <laughs> I mean, can I, as a young woman, not go and help disadvantaged youth without every male volunteer asking me out for soft drinks after our shift? Well, you know, you, you have named that, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I mean... I would feel weird if I were Amy, too. But that's not how the book hmm. really lays out Amy's feelings Different about rules it, for right? these rich white kids. Yeah, yeah. In 1990, for sure. Yeah. Oh, there's the rules of Sweet Valley High. They're all over the place. Who yeah. even knows? The cars these kids have. <laughs> they bear no resemblance to the rules of 2023 okay. in right. anywhere. No. High school, adult life, workplace, anything. Um, I feel like maybe because of some of the events mm. that Let's get Amy it. and Barry find themselves at. We should uh, talk about Enid's cousin Jake. We should. Also, the complete lack of adult supervision. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, it's your show. Yeah. I mean, we have... We, you started out talking about Amy's parents, who yeah. are, like... Imagine, Gladiators, if the Wakefield parents were, like, even more high-powered and even more like infatuated with each other to the point that like they are not paying any attention that's that's and and imagine that the Wakefields needed their parents attention more like cuz Amy is is an only child she's a last she kid she really yeah and she wants she she's craving i mean the reason that she's so obsessed with the idea of having the serious boyfriend now is that with her partially is that with her friends giving her the cold shoulder and her parents never around she like wants some companionship yeah. like lonely and that's also something that makes her uh, surprisingly enough to herself, really kind of fall in love with the work that she's doing at Project Youth. She's, like, good at it. Yeah. It's meaningful. But she's keeping it a secret because it's, like, against her image. Her coolness. And that's the shallowness thing that we're talking about at the top of the episode, right? Like, she, at this point, it's like she's got this this deep thing, but she's afraid of, like, what her friends and people would say if they knew that she was doing something That she important. was helping people? Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, but, so... We have Enid, who also has a mother that apparently exists somewhere, but like we never, we only, we hear tell of her, but she's not like there with her eyes in this event. Um, she's got a cousin, uh, Jake, who is everybody is just like drooling over his photo. He's dreamy. You can say it. He is dreamy, yeah. And I mean, not only I can say it, Enid can say it. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that's what, her, co- her, that's her cousin. cousin. Here's what Enid has to say about her cousin, mm. Jake. Enid's green eyes shone. I can hardly believe he's really going to be here. You guys are going to just adore him, she promised. He's smart, he's funny, he's cool. He's got a real presence. Everybody likes him. 
Elizabeth laughed. Well, Jessica is a fan of his already. That picture of Jake you showed her last week really bowled her over. Well, he is cute, Enid said loyally. At least he was the last time I saw him, when he was 15. I don't feel good saying it out loud, but it's okay. It's, I mean it, I mean it. And I'm sure two years have only made him cuter. Oh, now, now my mm, saying I mean it, I mean it is actually not. Okay. I can hardly wait to meet this paragon, this demigod, Winston said drolly there in the cafeteria, of course. Maybe we should have a parade in his honor. Oh, you, Maria said playfully. You just don't like having to share the attention around here. So, trouble in paradise Ow. with Maria and Winston? I don't Ouch. know, but... Um, yeah, so we've got J- this hot cousin, Jake, is coming to town. So hot. And the girls are all going to try to go to Miller's Point with him, I guess. Like, they're going to try to get his attention. Yeah. We, and we, you know, listeners of the show would know what happens at Miller's Point. Oh, yeah. I hope. I would hope. I think, if nothing vi- else, gladiators, you know vi- what happens at Miller's Point. V- vigorous As much as any holding. of us do. That's it. <laughs> I mean, as far as the books will, will tell us. I, I like lots of very long kissing <laughs> seems to be what happens in Miller's Deep point. hugging. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I think that um, it's important to note that Jake is like a serious tennis player. He's like famous. He could go pro okay. soon. Yeah, soon. There are talks. Maybe when he turns 18. Yeah. Although you don't really have to be 18. You don't turn. at all. <laughs> but, but soon, soon. Yeah. So we've got all these tennis guys, right? And remember, tennis in this book is code, unless you're Barry or Kirk Anderson. I mean, do we know that Barry? Okay. Right? <laughs> but I, for Amy's sake, maybe. Anyway. <laughs> so It's a spectrum. It, yeah. I mean, it is. A spe- and you know what's cool? This what? book knows it's a spectrum. Isn't that weird? In the early 90s, they yeah. foretold it. All right. It's, so. it's just about asking questions. It's not about having all the answers. What even are the questions? I I got to figure out the questions first before I can figure out the answers. You guys, we are literally quoting Tom McKay from the end of this book. I mean, listeners know this. They know. They they they've read this book. (laughs) They're rereading it with us. Okay. Um, So the reason why it was important to bring up Jake at this juncture, um, Jake. By the way, Lila says, "I love that name." Jake. (laughs) Um, So. Enid is planning events to celebrate his arrival. They're going to go to the beach disco. That's one of the places Amy tries to uh, dance with Tom. They're going to have a party at Enid's house, another place that it's just this whole love triangle thing with Amy and Tom and Barry. Yeah. I don't know if this says so much about my age as my paleness. The things they were doing, like, where they're just like, we went to the beach all day, and then we're going to have a party. And I was like, oh, I hope they're getting a nap in there, because <laughs> that's a lot. A few books. Tennis, and then the beach, and then a dance party. Okay. Yeah. A few books ago in the series, somebody came from the East Coast, and she observed, like, right away that um, she had noticed how important having a tan was to the students mm-hmm. of Sweet Valley High. So another thing, another 1990, uh, 1991 thing. Oh, I had, thing. Um, I had a, um, I dated a, a girl who um, was a cheerleader in Florida, like national champion. And they lived in their bathing suits. So all the cheerleaders, she told me, she's like, we, she's like, I do 400 crunches a day. Or she did back when she was in high school. 400 crunches a day because you wear those little cheerleader tops. So you had to have a per- perfect tan because in high school and college, you live in pools and hot tubs. So 
in Florida, I would imagine it's the same in Sweet Valley High. Your tan is very important. We'd never, um, they never show the crunches in the book, though. These girls are just naturally Naturally, beautiful yeah, and, rich and, and thin. And slender. And uh, everybody's got a Toned. card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm laughing because I was looking at my quotes. And I ha- at some point early on, before she's like tried out the social work thing, Amy thinks to herself, she knew herself well enough to realize that she was not particularly interested in other people's problems. <laughs> Turns out to not actually be true, but that's what she thinks of herself. Well, but she's self-aware. Sure. <laughs> Whoa. Guess only one of us is on Team Amy. <laughs> well, you've only read this one book. Amy has a lot of uh, bad behavior to make up for. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, they do talk about that. She was, she's was. she been chasing some guys. Yeah, she's not the most... Um, I mean, I would say that she knew herself well enough to realize that she was not particularly interested in other people's problems describes Amy's whole vibe pretty well up until this book. So she knows what she wants and she goes after it. Is that's that, a good reframing. That? Yeah, okay. that's good. Yeah, I do I do PR at a nonprofit for a living, so I'm going to rephrase a lot of things. <laughs> All right. Bring up a Amy lot of needs questions. You, and uh, Lila probably could also use your help. Don't get me started about the media interviews that happened later. A lot of on the record, off the record. <laughs> a lot of careless a lot there was a lot of careless activity by all the adults. You let a reporter into that to Project Youth? Did anyone sign a waiver? Are there right. photo releases? Um, the we'll reporter, get to that. reporter is Elizabeth Wakefield. She does do a story about Project Youth. It's yeah, we will get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, I'm just I'm eager to dissect. So we've got we've introduced Jake. Now let's talk about Tom. Mm. All right. Yeah. So Tom and Jake Gorgeous. have a lot in common. Yeah, Gorgeous. both beautiful men. That's one thing they have in common. Tennis. Um, they and they play tennis. Strong forearms. So basically, Jake needs to. You could just keep doing that while I'm talking mm. if you want. Just as background, <laughs> just Tom. describe Tom and and Jake. Actually, um, I'm sure the listeners would like that. The they're like I don't know. They, they arrange to play a lot of tennis while Jake's in town. I guess because he's got to play tennis all a the time. A tennis date, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and they. You know, they hang out at the Dairy Burger, and they just have so much in common. You know? know. They really like each other. They do. They they get close quick. Yeah. And they're just, they're easy to talk to. So here's a scene from one of their uh, tennis matches that kind of describes a little bit of what's going on. Paint, with, uh, paint a picture for I'll, us. I will. I will. I'll allow Kate William, <laughs> to whoever that may be, to uh, to do it for us. He still could not understand what had gone wrong between them, between Gene and him. Was it just part of growing up, realizing that sometimes relationships didn't make it and for no apparent reason? Tom had heard guys talking about breaking up with girls. He had heard them say they'd gotten bored, that they'd met someone new. Well, he didn't have an excuse like that. How could he have gotten bored with Gene? And he certainly could not imagine anyone else that he would rather be with. The relationship just hadn't felt right, and the more he tried to hide his feelings, the worse it had become. Tom sighed, threw his racket up in the air, and caught it. The whole thing really hurt, maybe even more because he didn't understand what had happened. Hey Tom, quit throwing your racket around. You're supposed to be saving your energy for some serious tennis. Tennis. Yes. He heard Jake call. Tom grinned. It had been great having Jake around this weekend. 
Jake had helped him take his mind off Gene. In fact, if he were the sort of person who could talk about his feelings instead of keeping them bottled up inside, he would tell Jake about Gene. Maybe someday he would. Jake slipped off his tennis sweater and looked closely at Tom. Were you okay last night? I was worried about you, he said. Tom smiled self-consciously. I had to get away for a bit, so I went outside to take a walk. Last night was the beach disco. Mm -hmm. Jake nodded. Yeah, I looked for you, and Todd Wilkins told me you'd cut out for a while. Too hot in that place, huh? (laughs) Well, especially... Tom paused for a second. He wasn't used to talking about girls, and he did not want to put Amy down, but he would not mind sharing a little of what he had been feeling last night. You know who Amy Sutton is, don't you? Blonde hair, gray eyes. She was wearing all white last night. He noted what she was wearing, okay. He added. Jake nodded. She's cute, he said neutrally. Yeah, well, she may be cute, but she's a little too pushy for my taste, Tom sighed. I just split up with a girl I'd been seeing for a while. We were pretty serious. But Amy's barely given me a chance to take a breath before jumping all over me. I do remember her following you around. She sure seemed interested, Jake grinned. I don't know what it's going to take to get the message that I'm not interested through to her. Tom shook his head. I had to pretend I needed some air last night because I couldn't think of any more good reasons not to dance with her. (laughs) Poor guy, Jake teased. It's hard having gorgeous girls falling all over you. Then he mentions that Barry is interested in her. So this kind of encapsulates the whole situation. Tom, brokenhearted over Gina, Mm -hmm. really having a great time with Jake. And there's this interesting thing of like... Tom being like, oh, he never talks about his feelings. He never talks to his male friends like this. He can talk to Jake about stuff that he doesn't usually talk to his buddies about. Yeah. And and then this through line of him essentially feeling like he's not interested in girls, which has come up in this series before. Like Tom feeling like he swore off girls altogether before he started dating Gene. I was not suspicious, cause, but because sometimes someone who's older and cooler and yeah. who's only in town for a little bit and they're going to leave and you can tell them stuff and it's not going to get back to anybody, that's kind of refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really interesting because so you were reading this book without the same lens on, on that I was, but I also didn't know if what was going to happen in this book was that Tom was going to be gay or if what was going to happen was this was going to be a book that was going to suggest subtextually that Mm. maybe something like that was going on. Oh, we're really getting into it now. Yeah, because what actually happens through the party and everything, uh, actually the day of the barbecue, Elizabeth shows up at Enid's house, and Enid is, she seems upset. She's got a secret. Yeah, and Jake seems upset too. A lot of confidential conversations Mm -hmm. going on. Yeah, and... Enid's like, Elizabeth, I'll tell you later. And the whole party happens, and Jake leaves for a walk. He says he needs some fresh air. And that's when Tom is like, well, I could come with you. And so they have this conversation. And the moment that I wasn't sure was going to come, Jake comes out to Tom, right? Tells him he's gay. Says he's gay, yes. How does Tom react? Well, Tom sure thinks he reacts really badly, I didn't think it was actually too badly. Yeah, I didn't think it was weird either. Yeah, he I beats himself up about I've it. I've only had a few people come out to me. The only people who've come out to me, it was sort of like, okay, yeah. It was sort of like, yeah, we know. Right. It wasn't like, I was like, oh. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it was a different time, but these. It's true. I think it's, it's interesting, and 
maybe kind of important that in this book, that's not really the situation for either of these guys. It was post-Beverly Hills 90210, but pre-Obama. Those were different times. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll have to check, have to check the map on that. Oh, yeah. Fact definitely check. pre-Obama. Fact check, listeners. <laughs> um, let me see if I have... I remember because I watched some 90210 before I moved. I lived in Germany for last two years of high school. I remember watching it. Living Color was amazing. Then I left, and I didn't have TV for two years. And what years were those? 91. I was in Germany, 91, 92, and oh, then okay. 92, That's 93. totally when these books are coming out. Yeah, it's All basically right. my life. So I know I just read a really long scene, but I'm going to read another one, because this is the goodbye scene between Jake and Tom. So Jake is expressing some kind of sadness saying he's having a good time. He had a good time hanging out with Tom. Tom agreed. Of course, they had a good time together. And Jake says something about how he's not really that popular. And Tom is like, uh, I mean, we heard already what Enid says about him. Everybody loves him. He has everybody. A, he has a presence, you know, mm. uh, he's so cool. All the girls like him. Yeah. Um, Jake looked distressed, but forced himself to go on. It's different when you're visiting just for a weekend. People see what they want to. They don't get to know the real me, the me underneath. It's not always easy for me once people find out. Jake's voice trailed off, and he stared up at the sky as if he were searching for the rest of his sentence there. Find out what? Tom demanded. What could there possibly be about Jake Farrell that people wouldn't like? Once they find out I'm gay, Jake concluded. He didn't look at Tom, but continued to stare at the sky. Tom stopped. You're... Maybe he hadn't heard Jake correctly. Jake Farrell? Gay? Well, why should that make any difference? Tom heard himself saying. His voice sounded a little funny, but not shocked. He felt shocked, but his voice remained in control. I thought that was an interesting detail. Considering the homophobia of the Mm -hmm. early 90s, I thought Tom did an amazing job. Yeah. Um... Right? So right. I'll, I'll finish this. Uh, uh, Jake had continued to walk on a few paces. Now he stopped, turned, and laughed. I'm glad you feel that way. It's always a little scary telling people, especially people you want as friends. Let me tell you, Tom, a lot of people drop you the minute they find out you're gay. Maybe they know what they're doing, maybe they don't, but it hurts the same either way. Tom nodded. He hoped he looked normal to Jake. His face felt like stone. Jake Farrell is gay, he thought. It doesn't make one bit of difference, he told himself quickly. Everyone is entitled to whatever lifestyle he or she wants. That was something Tom had been raised to believe, but right now he felt uncomfortable. Maybe it was hearing Jake's news so directly. All of a sudden, Tom felt very nervous. He felt as though anything he would say would be wrong. So, uh, yeah, he doesn't handle it so badly, but internally, I'm rereading this now. Because he's think having that's what some he feelings. Yeah. He's, I think he's confused about some things that oh, have yeah. nothing to do with his reaction. And, yeah, this really, I mean, there's this really um, stirring scene later on in the book where Tom is thinking about going to school, and it's just like he, he's really paralyzed by his confusion. Mm. I mean, I think you should focus more on the fact that he almost beat Jake in a tennis match. And if this gets about to go pro, I think Tom needs to think about at least getting a scholarship for tennis. Yeah. I don't think he's ready to go right? pro. I don't think he has... I don't think he has the physicality or the emotional maturity to <laughs> go pro. You've watched him on the court, and you've decided oh, they've described Jake does him. not have uh, what it takes. 
Uh, well, I mean, no, I think you make a really solid point. Either Jake is not ready or Tom needs to be getting like a sports agent or something. I think Jake's being lied to. Oh, <laughs> so what tying this all together is actually the project use. So there we have um, a recurring segment on the show called Oh, oh My, my God, God Moment. moment. It's something that it doesn't happen every week, but sometimes I'm reading this book and I say, oh, my God, uh, out loud. Another segment, recurring segment that we have on this book, I mean, on this podcast, (laughs) it's called Collins Wash. And we haven't had that segment for a long time because it is about Mr. Collins and Mr. Collins has not appeared in these books in a while. And I am thrilled to report not only is Mr. Collins back, but the Collins watch and the oh my god moment in this this book were the same moment. <laughs> One and the same. Yeah. Because what happens is Tom is really struggling. He's trying to um, figure out what he wants to do. It took Tom a moment to screw up the courage to begin. When he did start, he told Mr. Collins what had happened with Jake on Sunday night and about how upset he'd been over his reaction to Jake's telling him he was gay. I felt like such an idiot. Jake was really taking a risk trusting me, and what did I do? I know I made him feel awful, Tom said. Which is, you just heard what Tom said to Jake, so... I think Tom's a little hard on himself. Yeah. Um, Mr. Collins nodded. Tom, sexuality isn't an easy subject for people of any age, but for people of your age, it's the very hardest. It's not at all unusual for teenagers to question their sexual identity and to feel uncomfortable talking about it with another person. Tom took a deep breath. I'm sort of wondering about myself, he blurted out. Mr. Collins was silent. His frank, sympathetic expression made it easier for Tom to go on. I'm scared to talk about it, but I feel as if I need advice, he said. Mr. Collins nodded. I don't blame you. You must feel very much alone and very confused. He reached for a piece of paper and wrote something on it. There's a clinic in town that runs support groups for teenagers. I think the director may be able to help place you in one. Why don't you call her and make an appointment? When Tom hesitated, he added, It's confidential, of course. I'm not ashamed, Tom said quickly. I'm just confused. Um, so I thought that was sweet. I also love that they're like, if I'm gay, it's not a problem. I'm just yeah. not sure if I'm gay. Yeah, I wish they'd afforded the same uh, courtesy to fatness in last week's book. Ooh. Um, but Harsh. It's just, yeah, I'll tell you about it later. The gladiators already know all about it at this point. But um, so, yeah, we've got Tom struggling with these questions. The one, I think, piece of the like coming out puzzle that is might be interesting also to talk about is Enid. Because so we know that Enid had this weird reaction to mm-hmm. Jake and Elizabeth. Enid confides in Elizabeth. She feels a little bad about it because she's telling Jake's secret. But what did you think of that conversation? Uh, I think that people don't respect the trust tree. There was a lot of, um, oh, I need to talk to you. Oh, Jake, tell me something confidential. It's true. I can't tell you. And it's, it's true. like, really? Okay, that's a little weird. Yeah, but it's in Sweet Valley High, you got to tell Elizabeth everything. It all comes back to Elizabeth. And she's like the cone of silence. Like anything yes. that, and, and, you know, stuff does kind of end up finding its way to her. And she is good about not telling anybody. But yeah. to the point where sometimes she's really like, oh, I think maybe I should say something to somebody about this. But yeah, I she's told like, I got to start gossiping so people will stop coming to me with their problems. <laughs> um, maybe that'll be a plot for a future book. But 
yeah, Enid just feels really bad about her reaction as much as Tom does, except it yeah. sounds like she actually was kind of like, oh no. I mean, I, I think that people need to, one, stop hitting on their cousins. <laughs> yeah, maybe she was sad because it meant the, that he wasn't going to be into her. There is a lot. Yeah, she's not mad that he's gay. Just on some She's mad that level. they're not going to be kissing cousins. Oh, my gosh. Okay, here's what she says. I feel like such a jerk. Liz, I never thought I was the slightest bit prejudiced, but when I heard Jake say the word gay, my reaction was terrible. I know I must have looked as if he had just dropped a bomb on me. I couldn't say anything at all for about five minutes. Then I blurted out something dumb like, why didn't you tell me before? As if he'd been keeping a secret from me. Which of course he hadn't. Ina looked miserable. So, and Elizabeth comforts her, but I thought that was actually, I don't know, I was... I have heard stories like that from people, like, like people's coming out stories, that that's the reaction badly. is yeah. like. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Like, how could you, like, it, I've, we, we were so close. How could you have kept this from me? You know? um, fans, fans of Ted Lasso will remember from the last season. That yeah. was part, mm. that was a, in this one of the story arcs. Yeah. Right where. Um, Wasn't mad he was gay. He was mad that yeah. he didn't trust him enough to tell him he was gay. And and he was so mad that his friend thought that he must be, like it was his worst fear con- confer- yeah. confirmed, that my friend can't accept me for being gay, when in reality that wasn't what the friend was mad about at all. No, that's it for a different podcast, though. The yeah, our Ted Lasso cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can work on that. We probably should have started that like three years we're, ago. I think we're a little late. But... <laughs> yeah, it's a new show. We only talk about shows that are no longer yeah. on the air. <laughs> should we go back to Amy? And Barry? Yeah, I wish you would. All right. What I do mean, you have to say about Amy and Barry? I mean, Ina's not the only one ignoring Amy. I think that you need to get on Team Amy. <laughs> it's her Amy, book. Lila. Who's, yeah. who's Ina on the... always ignores Amy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's Switzerland in this. Um, who's on the cover? Amy. Amy. Let's talk about Amy. You know what's so funny? I, I was so dumb. <laughs> You're I really taking me to death. I didn't make, I didn't make uh, the connection that that was Amy. Well, because it's, who is that woman? I've I seen thought, what Amy no, looks thought, like, but you didn't know I thought it was, a, I mean, I only have two of these books. I don't have, like, I don't have, I have, I have trouble piecing it all together. But I, for some reason, I I saw her as a brunette. But, but Brian, in this book, she gets teased for being a dumb blonde. Yeah, but no, that's not at the beginning. Oh, okay. no, it's not. It's that toward the jerk, end of the book. That jerk. So that's actually a big part of how it all comes together. See, you've jogged my memory. So your nonsense observation has gotten me there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so we, Amy has, um, sorry, you can tell. I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. I have a lot of feelings too. Do you want to share them? There's a lot going on. All right. It's okay. Can we, <laughs> Thank you. Can we take a little break though? To talk about my OMG moment of this book. Of course. Did I look up who the reader of the month was? Did you see that? No. Reader of the month, Shannon L. Allison from Hawaii. Did I look up Shannon L. Allison on Facebook? 100%. Oh my gosh. Did I email her? Absolutely. Brian. Did she write me back? Definitely not. Um. I would I would. I wouldn't write you back either. I was like, hey, I'm going to be on a podcast about Sweet Valley High and you were Reader of the Month back in 1991. Can we talk on the phone? Absolutely not. I'm married with two kids. <laughs> think I'm of, pretty sure it was her. Think of what could be possible if you were the producer of this podcast, <gasps> man. I never, I didn't even notice. Imagine having the Reader of the Month 
Oh my be God. on a future be so episode. Cool. You have to tell me if she writes back to you. I mean, obviously oh, I you would. Like, does. why would you hoard that information? <laughs> That's right. Also, who else am I going to tell? Yeah. yeah. You. Like, six months later, you come to me with, like, a printed out correspondence. Like, I've been emailing with Shannon L. Allison in You're Hawaii. Like, she left her husband of 17 years. She's moving to L.A. to be with me. Wow. That would be a good story when people ask you how you guys got together yeah you're like oh it's a complicated I, story i but... stalked her on facebook in 2023 like, yeah you were still using facebook in 23 <laughs> yeah i because i looked other places and i could find her yeah wait back up have you ever heard of sweet valley high <laughs> um okay all right do you know what a podcast is <laughs> yes <laughs> um all right amy uh, no no so i i also i i loved how little people watch tv as a teenager in the early 90s, I watched a lot more TV than these kids do. But I guess if you're rich and you have a car, and apparently, like Amy, a credit card with no limit, and you can just go to the mall whenever you want. Yeah. Amy does, tr- like, try. She, we see her try to watch some soap operas at some point in this book, but she's bored by them, so she turns them off. I know. I was surprised yeah. by that. Every once in a while, we get TV. Now the books are starting to get interested in, like, VCRs and, Ooh. like... CD players. Yeah. So you want to rewatch Goonies a, a million times. Therefore, you need either a beta. <laughs> I'm a beta guy, but if you only have VHS, that's fine. Okay. Be- the beta format is far superior. Yeah, no, I'm, Sherry, I'm just thinking about the sentence out of context. <laughs> what? No, I'm a beta guy. Actually, it's funny. The funniest term I've heard is that, like, I have for, I am six foot six, uh-huh. and I have the world's tiniest Volkswagen, which is the Volkswagen Golf, super tiny car, and I heard it described as a beta power move. It's like <laughs> really big guys into the tiniest cars, which I think about all the time, and I think it's hilarious. I... I like that a lot. I think you should do all the beta power moves you want, Brian. My podcast coming next year. Beta power moves beta, with Brian. Yeah. I have no idea what we'll talk about. But anyway. You'll um, have to put your research skills to use. Did I tell you earlier that I am Team Amy? You did. Okay. I think that um, she's a hero. And and it becomes very easy to be Team Amy when she comes to the cafeteria with her her little concert tickets that she's bought. Oh my gosh! Especially because she, she's like once and for all, she's gonna get Tom. She's gonna pick a date that he can't say no to. She's gonna get these concert tickets to something called One. one it, it was a little too close to One Direction. Yeah, a lot like One Direction. They could have come up with a better band name. The fact that she got like three days before the show, fourth row back for only sixty dollars. And she was like, "Oh, I can't believe I'm spending sixty dollars on concert tickets." Also, I don't remember having this sixty dollars in my wallet, let alone a wallet, when That's I was true. like a junior in high school. Right. We're kind of arguing both sides of it right now. Both like, "Oh, can you believe she got concert tickets for sixty dollars?" But also like, she had sixty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both things. I think can be I was true. like when I was that age. I remember it was actually my first concert was. Um, free at Central Park, it was They Might Be Giants, which actually might have been around the exact same time frame. That would have been cool if that had been what they did in this book. But we don't actually go to the concert. Well, I'm not, it's not important. Cut that out, Marissa. Um, she's, so she's got these concert tickets. Wait, are you talking to future yes. Marissa yeah. during you, this podcast? Do you have a message for her? So if I could say, like, hey, future Marissa, make, take that part out where I sound dumb. Yeah. And future Marissa will edit the podcast. That's right. So We're talking to her right it's now. possible that people who are listening, gladiators, won't even hear what I'm saying right now because you will have cut it out very to make me sound less dumb. 
Well, yeah, well, I don't think you sound dumb right now, but yes, that's exactly right. Okay, great. Um, so I probably won't cut it out because <laughs> you sound so smart. Um, all right, so she's at the cafe. She takes it. She basically, finally, at the same moment that she's going to make her move with Tom, Lila and Jessica have decided that she's had enough punishment. Ugh, and. They, but but then in like talking to her again, they basically immediately proceed to kind of ruin their life yeah, a little bit. Yeah, real one-two punch. Um, you want to describe it? I feel like I've been talking a lot. Yeah. So they bring it. Okay. So they're like, "Oh, it's fine. Come sit with us." And then she explains, like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the um concert with Tom." And they're like, oh, "Really?" And she's like, "Well, I can't completely lie." So she's like, um, "Sorry, I don't know if she's a Valley Girl, but this is the way she sounds to me." Um, She's I like, like well, I have to ask what I was doing for her. And so. then she's like, and the girls are like, oh, well, Tom's there with all his friends. And they wave him over. Oh, and they already know that he's not into her because they overheard him tell Barry Rourke in line at the beach Ugh. disco. Ugh, these trifling he's, girls. Right? And he obviously, like, it's very emotional. He's like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And then, like, she kind of leaves. Oh, and Tom has come out to Barry now. Tom has already told Barry that he's gay. Yeah, the one guy who keeps his mouth shut. Yeah. Barry. He's a mensch. Yeah. And Barry has told Amy that if she asks Tom to the concert, he's not going to go. Because... In, in a very subtle and a polite yeah. and tactful way. Very subtle, polite, and tactful. Yeah, because, like, I can't tell you. What... And Amy feels really hurt. Like, oh, what if... Does that mean Tom said something bad about me too? So it's almost like she has to prove all that wrong, but she fails at proving that wrong because Tom doesn't want to go with her. He's so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then Kirk Anderson, who is sometimes known as Kirk the Jerk, and he proves it true here, Mm -hmm. he says, N-O spells no, like, and he calls her a dumb blonde. Now she did need. I know does spell no, and she probably should. This is the one, the one time they talk about consent in this book. <laughs> Everyone else is really pushing. So true. In the whole series, the one time they talk about consent. <laughs> um, they need it. That's yeah. another issue. We don't have time to talk about that in this episode. <laughs> it's it's the project of a whole, on, an entire. How long have I been doing this podcast? On a very special Sweet Six Valley years. Diaries. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. she runs out. She runs her away. Feelings are hurt. Yeah, and it's like all her worst fears confirmed. Also, can I just say that like Barry's the only one following any sort of bro code. Goes to Tom. He's like, "Look, are you sure you're not in? You keep saying you're not. Are you sure you're not anywhere? Because mm-hmm. I am in Amy." But he wants to follow the bro code, so he was gonna remain heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Except that Tom was like, "Trust me, dude. I'm like, I'm not." And then he goes on to explain, "Actually, I'm gay." Yeah. I'm definitely not into Amy. I know I'm not into Amy. Well, he's like, he's pretty, yeah, I'm not into Amy because I'm not into Amy. Also, might be gay. Not 100% yeah, sure. I'm not sure that I'm interested in girls at all. Yeah. You know? And then it makes us think back to earlier when he's like, oh, they were like good, f- more like buddies. Yeah. Jean was Jean. everything I wanted. I thought I wanted, but why? I just didn't have any passion for her at all. I thought of them more as empty nesters than like <laughs> she's trying to date a guy who's wrestling with his sexuality. Right, until you got to that point. Yeah, but I was like, well, they've been dating for like two weeks, and then they got bored, so it's got to be something else. So finally, like Amy's sitting in the library, she's all, you know, feeling more hurt than ever, Mm -hmm. but in a contrast to the rest of the book, um, we have Jessica coming after her to tell her how Kirk Kirk was rude and Barry stood up for you. 
Tom leaves Amy a nice note on her locker. And none of the girls piled on. No, no. Yeah, which she thought they would because they were being so mean to her. Yeah, and she feels like everybody thinks I'm a flake. Like, she's finally seeing it after all these months. (laughs) Yeah, it's because she is a flake. She's a little flaky. Or does she just have ADHD and she hasn't figured out either the right regimen of medications or coping mechanisms? I'm a coping mechanisms guy. Adderall wasn't good for me. Ritalin wasn't good for me. So for me, I have copious amounts of alarms on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Every day, all day, every meeting I have at work, I have an alarm set for one minute before the meeting because I'm flaky. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really interesting theory that we should explore more in uh, our extra drama. Yeah. But for we're right at the end of this book, right? Which is... Oh, it gets better. Because of Barry? Tell me. <laughs> because basically as soon as Amy, like one of the it's actually kind of like oh one of the things that has kept Amy from like ideating about Barry being a potential uh, mm, yes. love pr- love option is that she thinks what will her friends say oh, if she did a guy like Barry terrible. and so she hears Jessica say well, she, she, that, oh, Barry was standing up for you. Like, I think he really likes you. And Amy was like, oh, yeah, but Barry's kind of. And Jessica's like, oh, I think he's kind of cute. Yeah. He's and funny. Amy is he's like, cute. oh, you're right. He, in, his, in her mind's eye, she's like, he is kind of cute, isn't he? It's like something was unlocked for her. Yeah, but what if she hadn't said that? What if she said, we <laughs> won't make fun of you for dating this it, dork it's... who's definitely not the best tennis player in this school? <laughs> it's sad. It's sad to think about. But some Amy does have the magical transformation. And so she is able to start thinking about Barry that way. And then they... Start going out, although they're like friends at first, but like mm-hmm. maybe they're more than friends. And then she doesn't want to put a label on it. She doesn't want to. She's like sixteen. Yeah, but I think it's going to work out for them for at least a little while, at least for the next book. Well, yeah, I think the, the what I did like was okay. So her parents are kind of ignoring her. Listen, the son's marriage is falling apart. Yeah. Right. Obviously. So <laughs> obviously, you know, near the end of the book, can we jump to the scene with the parents? Yeah. Are we there yet? We're there. So, you know, her parents are like, listen, we've been kind of ignoring you. And she's like, oh, my gosh, thanks for noticing. And, <laughs> um, you know, they're like, let's let's go out for dinner. And she's like, oh, she thought that the parents were going to go out to celebrate yeah. and leave her out. Yeah. Her, an only she child. so excited. A latchkey kid. Yeah. And they're like, no, I want to take my favorite ladies out to dinner. She was so excited. She's like, I'm going to wear my new sweater because she definitely found time after volunteering to go to the mall real quick. So she gets her new sweater. So they're like, she's, you know, when she's talking to her mom about, um, well, what do you like about him? She's like, well, he's a blonde. He's a jock. He's popular. And that's about Tom McKay. McKay, When she's, you know, saying earlier about like, oh, I like this guy. And then she thought about like, well, how would Tom describe her? Yeah. And then she started thinking about Barry. Right. He's kind of funny. Right? He's caring. He's, for goodness sakes, a 16-year-old is volunteering at Project Youth to help disadvantaged individuals in Sweet Valley. And then he sends her flowers. And the flowers don't, it is a little bit, but the flowers aren't like, Amy, I love you, please date me. They say like, Mm, hope these cheer you up. (laughs) I also thought about, um, the card said, lots of love. Barry, which also made me find really funny because I heard the story of someone's mom um, was responding um, 
LOL, lots of love. Mm-hmm. So when people were sharing bad news, she was like, lol. And she thought it meant mm-hmm. lots of love, yeah. not, uh, not laugh out loud. Well, luckily, this is a time before abbreviations. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Although it would solve a lot of uh, problems, but I'm sure create a lot as well. I'm glad that they didn't talk about, like, you know, AOL Instant Messenger or anything, because that was, you know, that was kind of around that time, right? I think a little Wasn't later. Oh, a little We're, later. Okay. We'll see if it happens in these books eventually. That'll be interesting. I'm old. I'm, I'm losing track of time. We Aren't we all? We all begin to lose track of time. Entropy taking over. <laughs> taking over the brain. So... Yeah, we've got at the end, we can talk a little bit more, I think, big picture about the book in our extra drama conversation. Mm. But um, basically, the closing note of this book, well, before the, the final chapter, which is all prologue to the next book, is Elizabeth actually sees Tom at Project Youth. and She's she doing sees, a story for the Oracle. She's doing a news story. And she, she finds out that Amy Sutton is volunteering there, which she's like, wow, weird. So, so Amy Sutton? <laughs> she's Amy, like, I'm sorry, my, you said Amy what? Amy yeah. Sutton. I'm sorry, excuse me? Yeah, Amy that's what Sutton. happens. And she sees that Tom, she sees the pamphlet that Tom is reading, which is like homosexuality explained or something. Yeah. And, or teens and homosexuality is what I think it's actually called. Yeah. And he just tells her, like, he's not sure. what he And what he tells her isn't, I am gay. It's like, I... I'm confused. And I think that that is a nice thing for this book to have represented Yeah, for for young readers. Listen, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm pretty sure that he's bi. Okay. Jake, pretty sure he's gay. I think yeah. gay, I think Jake knows who he Jake is. Jake knows he's gay, yeah. Also, I don't, I think, he, the only thing he's unrealistic about is his ability to turn pro in a year. I don't think he's anywhere <laughs> near ready. I, I believe him when he says he's gay. I don't believe him when he says that he might be a professional tennis player. (laughs) I don't think he wants it enough. Um, I think I would I wish I could say we'll find out, but I don't think we will. I don't think we will. I think Tom will go to college on a tennis scholarship, but he'll stop playing tennis after his sophomore year. Uh, Yeah, we might find out about that in Sweet Valley University. Exactly. Well, um, it's about time for us to wind up this main episode, but I do have an important question for you that I ask everybody on their first time here on Sweet Valley Diaries, which is, are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? I I don't think one can select for themselves whether they are Mm -hmm. a Jessica or Elizabeth. I think that the people from the outside need to be able to observe their actions. It's hard to be honest. I want to say I'm Elizabeth. (laughs) I want to say I'm Anne You're Elizabeth. You're allowed to be a Jessica. It's okay. I know I'm a Charlotte. <laughs> okay. All right. I want to be an Elizabeth. Listen, I'm not going to hold a gun to your head and tell you you have to decide between one of them. I'm I don't go, have a gun. I'm going to go Elizabeth. Okay. I worked on a student newspaper. Ah. I did some actual real journalism. I still kind of do journalism a little bit. I would consider this journalism. People need to know what's going on in these books. Oh. We're going to get to the bottom. Well, as a stalwart Elizabeth, I feel very um, warmed and vil- validated by your, your suggesting that. I think she's got a good head <laughs> on her shoulders. Um, so the last thing we need to do is if you would turn in your uh, hymnal there to the end <laughs> of the page and read the tease, which may surprise the gladiators, for book number 76. 
Will the beauty pageant turn out to be a dream come true or a nightmare? Find out in Sweet Valley High 76. Miss Team Sweet Valley. It's going to be a there's going to be a beauty pageant, y'all. It's about was about time. Um, thank you, Brian, so much for joining me on this journey. We'll talk a little bit more in the bonus episode. Uh, but for now, um, what's a lesson we can send the gladiators away with from this book? I don't think that you need to have all of the answers. And I don't think you even need to know what the questions are yet. Yeah. And you got to know the questions before you start to look for the answers. This isn't a race. It's not a race. Sexuality is a spectrum. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. All the things. <laughs> Sounds good. I feel like I should have taken more notes. You're way more prepared than I am. I don't feel very prepared. <laughs> Emotionally. <laughs>